Hello and welcome to the Thoughtful Language Learner podcast. My name is Makoto, and I'm the author of the book The Thoughtful Language Learner. Are you a struggling language learner? Do you feel like you lack the confidence and skills to learn a foreign language? I believe that cultivating self-awareness and understanding who you are as a learner is the key to success. And through this podcast, I'm bringing you the contents of my book. Each episode will cover a new chapter, sort of like an audiobook. And what's cool is I'm bringing you each chapter through some text-to-speech technology. I hope you like it. Part 2: Learning Attitudes. Ever since I was young, I've always had an interest in languages. In all my various cross-cultural experiences, I find that people love to hear their own language spoken to them. Even just knowing a few words in another language can be enough to break the ice and make meaningful connections. I still remember the trip my wife and I took to Greece for our honeymoon. It was a beautiful country and we had an amazing time. Since it was our first time to Greece, I wanted to make the most of our experience by learning a little bit of Greek. I had purchased a small phrase book and had practiced some basic words and sentences like, excuse me and do you speak English? I still remember one particular moment in a small gift shop on the island of Sandorini. It was still early enough in the morning that the tourists from cruise ships had not yet arrived on the island. My wife and I were just window shopping and had entered a small gift shop. As we entered the store, I made eye contact with the shopkeeper and said, Calimera or good morning to her. In the store, we looked around at the different artwork and jewelry. My wife had taken an interest in a particular scarf and wanted to find out the price. With the scarf in my hand, I walked over to the shopkeeper and said, Posso cani? Or how much? Since I hadn't learned Greek numbers yet, I quickly added, Milate Anglica? Or do you speak English? The shopkeeper had a big smile on her face and said, Yes, I can speak English. And she told us the price of the scarf. The shopkeeper was now curious. She asked, Great, you can speak some Greek? Where are you from? We told her that we were from America and that we were there on our honeymoon. She explained to us that all day long she has hundreds of tourists coming through her store and she hardly ever hears anyone speak Greek to her. She shared how she resented the fact that almost everyone assumes she speaks English. And that when I greeted her and asked her first in Greek, it made her day. She thanked me for learning her language. That day left a deep impression on me on the power and significance of language learning. It was neat how a few phrases brought a smile to that shopkeeper's face. And it made me happy to be able to share that moment with her. I've had many similar encounters since that time in Sandorini that has reminded me of the value of language learning. Sometimes the journey can be frustrating or discouraging. But for me, having these moments of connecting with someone heart to heart has made all the hard work worthwhile. In this section, we will look at different attitudes that can influence our language learning. There are tools that you can use to discover your learning attitudes. One particular self-assessment tool I recommend is the Language Learning Attitudes Questionnaire, LLAQ, which was created by Carol Orwig. Get this questionnaire and many more by going to the URL, rebrand.ly, forward slash free PDF.
In the following chapters, we will discuss the significance of these different learning attitudes and feelings you hold. As language learners, we often focus too much of our attention on the study tactics and techniques. We fail to realize just how big an influence our mindset also can have on our overall success. Chapter 7, The Stories We Tell Ourselves Do little, with feeble defiance, I've a right to be here if I like, same as you. Higgins, a woman who utters depressing and disgusting sounds has no right to be anywhere, no right to live. Remember that you are a human being with a soul and the divine gift of articulate speech, that your native language is the language of Shakespeare and Milton and the Bible, and don't sit there crooning like a bilious pigeon. Higgins, you see this creature with her curbstone English, the English that will keep her in the gutter to the end of days. Well, sir, in three months I could pass that girl off as a duchess at an ambassador's garden party. I could even get her a place as lady's maid or shop assistant, which requires better English. That's the sort of thing I do for commercial millionaires. And on the profits of it I do genuine scientific work in phonetics, and a little as a poet on Miltonic lines. In the play Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw, we see the story between Eliza Doolittle, a poor flower girl, and Professor Henry Higgins, a professor of phonetics. Higgins takes on a bet with another man, Colonel Pickering, that he can take this working-class girl and turn her into a sophisticated lady of high society. Higgins works with Doolittle to work on her speech, pronunciation and vocabulary. As the transformation begins to occur, we also watch a conflict within Doolittle. Towards the end of the play, we see Doolittle has succeeded in one sense of changing her accent and speaking, but in another sense, she has failed. Pickering, you mustn't mind that Higgins takes off his boots all over the place. Doolittle, I know. I am not blaming him. It is his way isn't it? But it made such a difference to me that you didn't do it. You see, really and truly, apart from the things anyone can pick up, the dressing and the proper way of speaking, and so on, the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she behaves but how she's treated. I shall always be a flower girl to Professor Higgins, because he always treats me as a flower girl, and always will, but I know I can be a lady to you, because you always treat me as a lady, and always will. In Doolittle's mind, she had expected that by changing her way of speaking, she would finally be worthy of receiving the respect of a fine lady. Yet when Higgins continued to treat her poorly, she still felt like the same working-class girl in a low position. What Doolittle failed to realize was that she was smart, talented, and beautiful to begin with. It was always her true identity. She was able to learn to speak and act just like any other lady of high class. Yet the story she told herself was what held her back. She could believe that she was inferior and unworthy of the same respect and courtesy a lady deserves. Or she could believe that she was a person of value, deserving of equal treatment. In this chapter, we look at the stories we tell ourselves and how it affects our language learning. The beliefs and attitudes we hold can have a big influence on us. Critical views or limiting beliefs can negatively affect our learning. Likewise, a positive mindset can be the determining factor between our failure or our success. Understanding your assessment. One author defines self-image as. This is the image we have ourselves. If asked the question who are you? 
People would normally list their mental and their physical characteristics which together make up their unique person. Parents normally begin this process of development of the self-image by communicating the kind of person the baby is, for example, you are beautiful, teachers continue the process saying things like, you are clever, or the opposite, by adulthood most of us have a pretty good idea of the kind of people we are and the kind of skills and abilities we have. The more experiences we have the richer will be our self-image. We will have learned that we are competent in some areas of our lives but not so competent in others. Many of these impressions of ourselves will have been learned through comparisons with others. When it comes to language learning, do you have a high view of yourself or a low view? Are you confident in your abilities and believe that you have what it takes to learn a foreign language? Or do you have doubts and lack confidence in your ability to achieve success? Another author discusses a similar topic, self-concept. He explains, two key components evaluated in the perception of one's self-concept are one's sense of competence and one's sense of worthiness, the first is related to self-efficacy, beliefs about one's abilities, aptitude, intelligence, etc., and the second one is connected to self-worth, beliefs and feelings about being worthy of being looked at, accepted, etc., physical image and personality would play a major role here. The question you want to answer is not only how you view yourself as a language learner but also why you hold these views. As mentioned above it is helpful to focus on your beliefs about your abilities and your beliefs about your self-worth. You probably have a high view of your abilities if you have had success in language learning in the past. Many studies find that learners who have learned a second language will often be faster and more effective learning a third or fourth language. There might be some strategies and skills that are honed along the way that explain this difference. But the difference may also be explained by greater confidence from past success. On the other hand, if you have had negative language learning experiences, this may be the reason for your lack of confidence. In my case, I grew up seeing the possibilities through my parents. Although my parents immigrated to the US in their mid-twenties, they went on to be successful in career and business despite English being a second language for them. My father eventually started his own sales business and my mother went on to attend graduate school and become a journalist. Seeing their example always gave me the confidence that I could also learn a second language well. Self-worth is another area to reflect on as it relates to language learning. Like Doolittle in Pygmalion, are there barriers that might be holding you back from reaching your goals? For example, do you falsely believe that you are a bad language learner because you were told you don't have a knack for it? Maybe you believe certain myths about what makes for a good language learner, hint, age and IQ have less of an influence than you think. Or are you a heritage learner of the language, for example, a Chinese-American learning Chinese? Sometimes heritage learners may feel a sense of shame or unworthiness for having grown up without learning their heritage language. When they come to learn the language as an adult, they may feel added stress about feeling like a fraud or an outsider. Whatever your background and learning context, self-awareness involves the ability to make observations like these about our feelings and attitudes. What the research shows One study surveyed a group of undergraduate learners of English on the topic of self-efficacy. These students were given a questionnaire about their beliefs, and then a listening proficiency test was conducted. 
The study found that there was a strong correlation between a learner's beliefs and the results of the proficiency test. The authors concluded, the student's self-beliefs of language ability can influence their language achievement negatively or positively depending on the strength of their efficacy beliefs. Teachers play an important role in encouraging students and building up their confidence. But it is ultimately up to the learners to believe in themselves. And for the learners to believe that their abilities can lead them to success. Another study looked at some American university students learning Russian. The researchers specifically interviewed the students around the area of negative emotions. They describe just how harmful negative thinking can be for language learning. Powerful negative emotions were experienced as all-consuming, cancelling out any ability to focus on the language, to remember target language forms or to process the language in productive ways. The negative emotions were also experienced as being deeply unpleasant, and something to be avoided at all costs in some cases, with the result that study of the language was avoided, delayed and in the end dropped. For the students, emotions were an essential part of their understanding of what was going on in learning Russian. And emotions played a major role in determining their individual trajectories as learners. All language learners face moments of discouragement or disappointment. But some learners hold critical views and low views of themselves and their abilities. These learners don't fully appreciate how detrimental it can be to the learning process. Myths and Misconceptions One of the reasons you might hold a low view of yourself is because of myths or misconceptions you hold about language learning. Let's briefly look at some of these myths. See if any of these ideas are affecting your self-image. One of the largest language learning myths is the myth that children are better at learning a second language than adults. The myth stems from the theory that there is a fixed window or period of time in which a child can learn a language. Once a child passes this period, no matter how much exposure or teaching, they will remain in a very remedial level of language ability. In history, there have been unfortunate situations in which a child was abandoned or grossly neglected for years. They weren't regularly exposed to language until their teenage years. It was found that even after much teaching and coaching, they weren't able to learn a language. They were forever stuck at a toddler stage of babbling and groaning to communicate. Many people hear anecdotes like these and extrapolate it to their own language learning. They give language learning a try, but deep down, they don't really believe that as an adult they can succeed. However, there is a big difference between a child learning a first language and an adult learning a second language. This myth is disproven simply by the fact that there are many examples of adult learners who have learned a second language to a very high proficiency. It is simply not true that adults cannot be effective at learning a second language. In fact, there are exceptional cases in which adult second language, L2, learners have reached a level of accuracy with their pronunciation or grammar knowledge that they can even fool native speakers into believing that they are also native speakers. One article states there are numerous studies that document late L2 learners who have achieved native-like proficiency in every aspect of the language. Proficient L2 speakers serve as evidence that attaining L2 proficiency well after puberty is not curtailed by any window of opportunity. With hard work and dedication, it is possible for anyone to reach a very high level of fluency and pronunciation. 
there isn't anything that is physically or biologically preventing a learner from reaching their goals. Another myth that might be holding you back is the false belief that there are two types of people in the world, those who have a gift or knack for language learning, and those who don't. There is no special gene or talent that one has to be born with in order to be successful in language learning. Two language researchers explain how the crux of the problem is that, strictly speaking, there is no such thing as language aptitude. Instead, we have a number of cognitive factors making up a composite measure that can be referred to as the learner's overall capacity to master a foreign language. It is true that differences in language learning aptitude or ability exist. But these are more general differences like memorization ability or sensitivity to speech sounds. Some learners may be good at memorizing vocabulary, or other learners may be good at mimicking speech sounds. Some aspects of language learning might go more quickly for one learner, and some aspects might take longer. But having these individual differences does not prevent anyone from being successful in language learning. Applying your learning attitude. Try taking the LLAQ mentioned at the beginning of this section. Check how you score in the area of self-image when it comes to language learning. Do you have a high self-image or a low self-image? If you have a low self-image, think through the possible reasons why this might be the case. Like Eliza Doolittle, maybe you had a certain teacher or experience that negatively impacted your view of yourself. Or it could be that you had a poor language learning experience in the past that colors the way you view language learning now. Positive beliefs are crucial for the task of language learning. As one author concludes, it is essential for learners to believe in themselves in order to succeed at a set of tasks. The prospect of learning a second language is itself potentially so overwhelming that learners can, and often do, lose momentum in the face of a number of forms of self-doubt. Don't let discouragement or doubt lead to low self-image. Looking at the example of polyglots can be helpful in reinforcing our beliefs that learning a foreign language is possible for anyone. Kato Lom, a 20th century polyglot and interpreter, learned 16 languages over her lifetime. In her autobiography, she compares language learning to learning how to swim. I heard from a swimming coach that how soon children learn to swim depends on how much they trust themselves and the surrounding world. I am convinced that this, self-confidence is the precondition of success in all intellectual activity, in language learning, surviving in the medium of a foreign language demands self-confidence and openness. She goes on to describe how success in language learning does not depend on innate ability, but primarily on perseverance and motivation. Do you believe that you have what it takes to succeed in language learning? If you had doubts before, let this chapter be an encouragement to you that you already possess everything you need. And as you work through the chapters in this book and cultivate greater self-awareness, you will set yourself up for success. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of my book. If you found it helpful, send me a message, let me know. Also, I have a free PDF that introduces some of the assessment tools mentioned in my book. If you're interested, just go to rebrand.ly forward slash free PDF. Thanks for listening.